So we went to the same high school, and Lucas is just the cute guy that I didn't really know, but I wanted to know, and always saw him walking through the hallways and wondered who he was. Danny moved down to Georgia from Wisconsin um, in high school. We started talking, both graduated, got each other's phone numbers, talked all summer. I went and played baseball. Uh, I got drafted by the Braves. summer before college, I really got to know him, and he was one of my good friends, and friends became so much more so fast. We talked all summer, probably didn't go a single day without talking to each other. I told her that I wanted her to be my girlfriend, and five years later, here we are, getting married on the best day of my life. <laughs> I'm thinking about how long I've waited for this moment and how far we've come since we were just 18-year-olds joking around. <laughs> Lucas is everything that I've ever hoped for. I can't believe that I'm lucky enough to marry him. You know, when I'm with her, it's, it's, I'm, I'm the best version of myself when I'm with her. And she's the one I can't live without. It's, I'm so excited for her to be, be my wife and, and spend the rest of our lives together. Now, watching that video and that song made you have one of two reactions. One is like we reacted earlier. It was like, oh, that's so sweet. And the other one is, like that, a little bit of that. Um, but at the end of the day, here's the deal. At the end of the day, when it comes to marriage, um, don't we all just want someone like the girl on that video to just say, you're everything I ever hoped for or dreamed to have? and someone to be with for the rest of my life. Like, that's what we all want. And so often, wedding days are, are really magical. And I remember Melissa and I's wedding day. It was awesome. Um, I was crying. She was crying. A whole bunch of other people were crying. And then, um, you know, Melissa's parents, um, she's their only daughter, and the jury was still out on me, so they were crying for a different reason. Um, but I'll just tell you, here is our wedding picture from our, from uh, 23 years ago. There you go. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Melissa is hot, and I actually am under 200 pounds in that picture. Um, uh, you know, and I look at that picture sometimes, and it sits on our dresser, and I just, every now and then I'll just go, <laughs> so young, so naive. <laughs> we didn't know what we were getting into. Um, and all of us get married with this idea that it's going to be like that, for the rest of our lives, but then the honeymoon's over at some point, right? The honeymoon's over, and so rather than tell you about the changes that happen from when you get married to after being married a little while, I figured I would rather show you what happens after you get married. And so let's take a look at this first picture that shows you what happens from this from this to this in under a year. Get married, how to and achieve the same result. That's not me, but I don't know. All right, so next one is this, before and after. Before marriage and after marriage on the bottom there. Yep, okay, let's go to the next one. Um, you know, we've got this one, two months married, look at them, and then seven years married. They don't care where they're sitting or if the other one's next to them. You can tell the difference there. The next one is before marriage. Oh, look at that. And then after marriage, just a lot of baggage, isn't there? <laughs> and then the last one, last one, before and after, before marriage is so cute. And then after marriage, it's like, really? Okay. That's just kind of it. And here's the thing. We find out all these things after we get married that were hidden before we got married. 
that we didn't know about, habits that we didn't know about, difficulties that we didn't know we were going to face. And over time, all of us, we just change and sometimes not for the better, which gets me to the state of marriage today, and, and uh, which is alarming to say the least, but it's really why we're doing this series. Um, currently, the statistics in our country are 50% of all marriages in the U.S. end in divorce. Um, and uh, the way that kind of breaks down is 41% of first marriages end in divorce. Average of eight years is how long they last. Secondly, 60%, and this gets more depressing as you go, 60% of all second marriages end in divorce, and 70% of all third marriages end in divorce. And so over the last 20 years, there's been such an increasing pessimism and uh, wariness about marriage in our culture that a lot of people try a different approach, um, and that different approach is living together but not being married. And so over half of married people actually live together before marriage, and they think it's a better reason for three different reasons. They think it's a better way for three different reasons. This is going to stop here in a minute. I keep waiting for it to go on into the floor. Um, and the reason that that happens, are you going to help me? Oh, yay, thank you. Way to be on it, Isabel. Give Isabel a hand. She is great. I appreciate you. Did you sit on this to make sure it doesn't go down? Okay. Um, uh, but, but here's the reason that people choose to live together. They think that if you live together, you have a better chance of making it because it's kind of that try before you buy thing. Take it for a test spin, see how it goes. Um, secondly is a lot of people believe that marriage is a financial, uh, kind of a drain. And so, uh, they get, they, they'll get married when they have enough money, then they'll get married or other, other people just do it because they think that most married people are bored and unhappy, right? Um, and that's just, so they just say, hey, let's just do the married thing. But actually, the statistics actually tell us a different story when it comes to living together. If you live together before you get married, and this is just nationwide, and this is multiple studies, and this is recent, if you live together before you get married, you just increased your chances of getting a divorce by 40%. Because that's the stats. 40% more people who live together get divorced than people who wait until they're married to live together. And you also decrease your ability to create wealth. People who stay continuously married have 75% more wealth at retirement than those who never married or divorced. So a lot of times the things we believe don't really bear out in real life. But the institution of marriage is not doing well in our culture today. Six out of ten marriages um, that, are in, that are currently going on, they report being unhappy in their marriage. Four out of ten have thought about leaving the marriage or, or getting a divorce. Much of this has been caused by the changes in marriage. We now um, have many marriages that are me marriages instead of we marriages, and this is in the last 25 to 30 years. Um, what used to be the norm is we marriages, where it used to, marriage used to be the institution for raising families, the institution for raising families. Now it is literally about sexual combat compatibility and sexual fulfillment. We've just shifted from we to me. Used to be about building the community. Now, it's about fulfilling my needs. We've shifted from we to me. It, marriage used to be about growing and changing as a person. Now, it's about the other person fitting into my life and not changing me. Because it's more about me than about we. It used to be about building a life together. Now, it's about finding a spouse to build my life and follow my dreams. That's just kind of how we look at it. It used to be where we were looking for a life partner and best friend. Now, we are looking for the ideal mate um, so that will meet our needs. And it used to be an us marriage, and now it is really more about a me marriage. And so here's the kind of the, the, the premise of this series. Is there a secret 
to marriage and relationships that can change these statistics? And if so, wouldn't it be nice to know? And I'm all about um, finding the best way to do things. This is just me personally. I'm one of those people um, that I know there's a secret to just about everything. I've found almost, uh, you know, I've found a secret or two about a lot of the things that I do that just make them easier. Um, because if you find the secret to doing certain things, you kind of have a leg up on everybody. You actually become better at whatever it is that you find the secret to. And I'll tell you a couple of them that I've learned over the years. When I was in high school, I was a really good athlete. In fact, uh, you, know, you know, I played played multiple sports, basketball. I loved Loved it. Um, I just could never score because I kind of was bad at the scoring part, but I was quick and I could jump high. And my biggest struggle was I could get around people and get to the basket, but I couldn't make layups. I would miss layups all the time. So one of my buddies, this is like a long time after we'd been playing together, he says, you're doing it wrong. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, when I would go up to shoot a layup, I'd run up under the basket and I'd do that. And I'd go and miss. He says, turn your hand over and lay up like that. I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, go do it. Boom, goes in. I'm like, oh my gosh, do it again. Boom, goes in. I like almost every time, it's like 80, 90%. I became a layup machine. I never knew the secret. All I needed was the secret. Take that into college. Um, when I went to college, I played golf for Oakland University. And I remember um, growing up in Texas, we had really shallow bunkers. I never hit a sand wedge in my life. And it's basically a club that's really got a lot of angle on it that you dig under the sand to pop the ball out. I never owned one, never hit one, because I would just pick it off the top of the bunker with a seven iron. Well, I get to college, and all of a sudden, it's a totally different course. I moved from Texas up to Michigan, different kind of golf courses, and my coach just goes, you got to get a sandwich. So I get a sandwich. I have no idea how to use it. So halfway through the season, my coach looks at me, and he goes, Kevin, you suck out of the sand. And I'm like, I know. What do I do? He's like, let's go. We played nine holes. I hit in a bunker on every single hole around the greens and in the fairways, and he taught me the secret to hitting bunker shots. And I will just tell you the rest of my college career, my conversion rate of getting up and down out of the sand was in the 60 to 70 percent range because he taught me the secret to hitting sand shots. Um, when I was getting my motorcycle license, when I took the little class to learn how, there's a secret to turning on a motorcycle. Put your hands out in front of you like this, like you're riding a motorcycle. I'll show you the secret. This blew me away. I didn't think it was true. So... Put your hands out, you're driving a motorcycle. If you want to turn to the right on your motorcycle, what do you do? You turn your handlebars to the right. Wrong. You guys are wrong. Let me teach you the secret. If you put your hands out, if you want to turn right on a motorcycle, you actually push your right arm forward. Okay? What's interesting about that, when you push your right arm forward, when you're riding on a motorcycle, it actually leans the bike over and you start turning. Never knew that. It was the coolest thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just a little secret to riding a motorcycle. There are secrets to being good at just about anything. There's little tips and tidbits of knowledge that make all the difference. And that's kind of the genesis of this series, unlocking the secrets to relationships, specifically marriage. And so don't check out if you're single in the room. Um, don't be discouraged by this series because these secrets actually work in all relationships and they're actually important in preparing for marriage. And so today um, is the secret to marriage. Next week is the secret to being a Hall of Fame husband. So ladies, get your man here. Um, the week after that is the secret to being an all-star wife. Um, men, get your ladies here. Um, the week four is the, the, the secret to handling conflict like a champ. Um, everybody, please come to that one. And uh, the last one is the secret to the bedroom. So PG-13, if you're under then, don't come. Okay? If you're under 13. Uh, but, but God in his word has given us secrets to every single thing I just said. Now, a little background uh, um, on my wife and I. Um, 
We've been married for 23 years in April, and uh, we had three kids, and we were done having kids, but my wife couldn't keep her hands off me, so we have four. Um, that was a joke. Okay, you guys believe it. All right, that's good. I have lost a little bit of weight, so I get it. Um, but uh, we have four kids. They're 17, 15, 13, and 11, and I'll just tell you this. Melissa and I don't have a perfect marriage. We just don't. Um, we have rough spots. We have difficulties. We have arguments like everybody else. Parenting is so hard to do um, on top of being married. But I can say this. I'm hands down more in love with her today than I was 23 years ago when we got married. She's my best friend. I love waking up every day and being able to do life with her. And she loves me the same way. Now, people who know us, they actually call her my secret weapon because she is. And in week, of, week three of this series, you're going to hear from her. We're going to talk together. Um, and so I'm excited for you to hear from her. But here's what I believe with all of my heart is that if you're willing to come here with an open heart and an open mind to God's idea for marriage, for his intention for how marriage is supposed to work, and an open mind and heart to his secrets about relationships, um, I think your marriage that you're in right now can get exponentially better. I think um, your good marriage can become great. I think uh, your future marriage, if you're single or single again, can last a lifetime. Um, I think that the marriage that you don't know if it's going to make it, um, uh, it, 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 can't only, it, it won't only make it, it'll thrive if you stick through this series and open your heart and your mind to what God has for you. Um, and I think that any dead marriage can be revived through God's secrets to relationships, specifically marriage. So let me pray for us before we jump into kind of the meat of the day. Um, Lord, I, I pray for this whole series. I pray that you would um, just show up in powerful ways in our lives. I pray that every Sunday morning that we um, get together, that you would just speak loud and clear. Um, Lord, I pray that you would open our minds to new truths and our hearts to new ideas. And um, Lord, I pray that you would just work on us as people, whether we know you or not in the room right now, God, would you just reveal, reveal truth to us and reveal something new that can help us in um, this unbelievably important relationship in our lives. In your holy name, amen. Okay, we're going to start out um, because of the way we're going to end the day with our offering. So ushers, if you guys can go ahead and come forward. Um, this is a little earlier than normal, but I kind of want to get it out of the way. So if you are here for the first time, let the basket go by. Um, this service is our gift to you. Well, I hope it's a gift afterwards. You can let us know. Um, uh, but, 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 but for those of you that call Kensington home, this is where we give back to God from what he's blessed us with. And uh, I just want to thank those of you that give online. There's a lot of you, and that just allows us to kind of know what's going on financially and kind of plan accordingly. So thank you guys that do that on a regular, consistent basis. Um, but one of my favorite pastors and authors, his name is Tim Keller. He wrote a book on marriage um, that some of today is based on. He says it this way. He says, marriage has the power to set the course of your life as a whole. If you've been married for any amount of time, you know that to be true. It has the power to set the course of your life as a whole. If your marriage is strong, even if all the circumstances in your life are filled with trouble and weakness, it won't matter. Isn't that true? It won't matter. But if your marriage is weak, even if all the circumstances in your life around you are marked by success and strength, it won't matter either. Marriage has that kind of power because of the way that God designed it. The Bible begins with a wedding, Adam and Eve, and ends in the book of Revelation with a wedding of Christ and the church. Marriage is God's idea. And he gives us this um, owner's manual to this thing called relationships. A, this is an owner's manual for being human. 
and for being God's child and for understanding who he is and how he created you. Um, Not necessarily the details, but kind of the how and the why that he created you. But it's also God's book for relationships, specifically marriage. It's kind of an owner's manual. Um, And the Apostle Paul, one of the great writers of the New Testament, he says this in Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. He says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. And so I want to focus in on that word mystery. If you're a guy, women are a great mystery, right? Um, If you are a woman, um, guys are a mystery. They're just a lot simpler of a mystery. Um, But somehow the way that Paul understands marriage is something bigger and grander than what it seems on the outside to us. Because it's the most important relationship between two human beings. And next to our relationship with God, there's no relationship that's more profound that impacts us in more ways that we don't even understand. That's why Tim Keller, he shares this insight into why marriage is so profound. He says, married people experience greater physical and mental health. Marriage provides a profound shock absorber that helps you navigate disappointments, illnesses, and other difficulties. You recover your equilibrium faster. Spouses hold one another to greater levels of personal responsibility and self-discipline than friends and other family members can. And nothing can mature character like marriage. I'm just telling you, your marriage relationship impacts you in ways that nothing else can. It is profound. It is mysterious. It is powerful. So today I have two secrets that I believe um, will help every person in the room, um, whether you're married or not. And I want you to write some of these down. There's a little fill in blanks on your notes. I want you to write some of these down because chances are over time we all forget these. And so they're important to know these little secrets that make things a little bit easier. But here's the first secret. This one might be a little disappointing to you. Uh, But the first secret is you never marry the right person. You never marry the right person. And by right, I mean perfectly compatible. You, you never marry the right person. Now, as I have counseled more couples than I can count, sometimes a lot of them say, this shouldn't be this hard. It should just come naturally. Like if two people are compatible and they're really soulmates, it should just work out and be great. Like in the movies, right? Like, and it's, it's like, no. And a lot of people think, well, if it does, it's not easy, then I must have married the wrong person. I think I need to go out and find the right person. I need to get out of this marriage and find Mr. or Mrs. Right. Well, here's the news flash and kind of the truth for today. Mr. and Mrs. Right do not exist in part because of the kind of person that many of us want and we're looking for. They don't exist. Like what we want, we want a spouse who will not demand much from us. They are completely pulled together, very low maintenance, without any personal problems. They don't want us to change. They are happy, interesting, content with life, great in bed, fun, intellectually stimulating, sexually attractive, have many common interests with us, very little, if any, character flaws, not emotionally needy, and on top of that, fully supportive of our goals and the way we want to live our life right now. That's what we're looking for. So men are actually looking for a novelist slash astronaut with a background in fashion modeling, massage, and pro beach volleyball. That's what men are looking for. And women are looking for a professional athlete, Greek god with perfect teeth, independent wealth, with a major in house cleaning and culinary arts, and a minor in long conversations and great listening skills. That's what women are looking for. And unless you're Melissa Valentine, that doesn't exist. But Tim Keller, he says it this way, and I love this. I'm just the last quote from his book. He's like, if you, if you are married, you didn't know the person you married, you just thought you did. And if you think you've married the right person, just give it a while, and he or she'll change. 
And I remember a few years ago, Melissa and I were talking about a series kind of similar to this, and um, we were talking about expectations of marriage. And so she said this to me, and I'm going to quote her as she was talking about what she thought of marriage before. Um, She said, I believed if I marry the right person that they'll bring out the best in me and they'll help me become the best version of myself because they're so great, which I was like, wow, she really loves me. And then she kept talking. Okay. And she said, and then when you find out that that isn't the case, you're discouraged because you were hoping they were the answer. (laughs) And I'm like, thank you, honey. Um, But here, here's the truth. I wasn't the right guy for her. And honestly, she wasn't the right girl for me. Where there was this like perfect compatibility thing. Why? Because the moment you marry someone, you begin to change in profound ways. You begin becoming a different person. Over the years, you go through seasons in which you have to learn to love the other person that you didn't know you were marrying because you didn't really know them. You need to learn to love somewhat of a stranger to you. You're going to have to make changes that you don't want to make, and they're going to have to do the same. And that journey may take you to a stronger, joyful, tender um, marriage, but not because you married the perfect person who is compatible with you. It's because you became that compatible person and they became that compatible person in the future as you both work through the rigors of building an amazing marriage, which is really, really hard work. And I'll just tell you this, I'm still in the process of becoming the right person for Melissa. And she's still in the process of becoming the right person for me. And my hope is, my dream is, is that we will continue that process until the day we die. Because I don't really think we're ever going to get there. But as long as we're on the journey to becoming the right person for each other, I think we can have what we dream of having. And so when you realize that you never marry the right person and you're constantly in the process of becoming the right person for each other, you actually can begin to realize this truth that even if you get to a perfectly compatible place, this truth is your spouse will never fulfill your every need. Never. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that the best? You're like, oh, thanks. And here's why. Because they don't have the ability or capacity to. Sometimes we expect them to do things that they just cannot do because only God can fulfill every need that you have on a soul level. Your spouse can't fulfill the soul needs uh, that you have. Only God can. If you are trying to force them to or believe they can, you will always be asking them for something that they can't give and you will always be discouraged and, and, uh, and, and, and just sad about the whole thing because you're asking them to do something they can't do. But there's another reason why um, you, you, your spouse will never fulfill your every need. It's because any two people who enter into marriage, they are literally spiritually broken by sin, which among other things is to be self-centered is to be completely self-centered. When Adam and Eve first sinned, they had this unbelievable connection with God and each other. They walked with God. There were no rifts between them. It was like a perfect marriage. And why? Because they walked around naked all day and they ate fruits and vegetables and they were in shape. That sounds like heaven to me. Um, Sounds pretty perfect. But once they ate the fruit from the tree that God said not to, once they sinned, which is to choose your own way instead of God's, they began to look out only for themselves like that. Literally, their lives changed in that moment. And suddenly, hiding, blame-shifting, guilt, shame flooded into humanity. And almost immediately, their perfect um, union that God had given them was broken. And every human being since then has been broken in the same way. And this is really a deep theological doctrine called the depravity of man. 
And it's, uh, it's from Romans 3.23 in the New Testament where the, Paul writes, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have made poor choices. We've done things um, that we know are wrong. We've chosen ourselves over other people. And so this one I want you to do. Look at the person that's sitting next to you, your spouse if they're with you. Um, so look at the person next to you and I want you to say this. You're a sinner. Say it. And then, and then after you say that, say, and so am I. Okay? And so am I. Here's the reality. We're all broken. We all have a sin nature in, in us and your spouse... Your significant other, as broken as you think he or she is, you are just as broken by sin. As much as you want to say them, 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 and point the finger at them, you've got three pointing back at you as broken as they are, is the same as broken as you are by sin. And that sin nature, that me first struggle that all of us have, is devastating to marriage. But thankfully, that isn't the end of the story. And this is where this is just good news. When you turn to God, he not only forgives you of your sins, but there's this beautiful, hopeful verse in Philippians 1 that says, and I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue it, his work, until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. What does that mean? It's that if you're a Christian and you have turned your life over to God, you are under construction. You are under renovation. God is at work in you, creating and working to make you the right person for your significant other, for your spouse. God's Holy Spirit is at work in you to help you get to the point in your development under his care to live out secret number two. And here's what secret number two is, and that is this. Marriage is designed to be a reflection of the gospel. Marriage is designed to be a reflection of the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel of Jesus Christ is this. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What's the gospel? Jesus left the comfort and beauty and power of heaven to come to this dark and sinful planet to live among us, and then he willingly went to the cross to die for us, not just to pay for our sin, but for the sake of relationship, so that we can have a perfect relationship with God, the Heavenly Father, through Jesus. He gave up his own interests and looked out for our interests. His pathway to bringing life to us and relationship with God to us was his death. In our marriages, it's hard to believe, but if you want to bring life to your marriage then die to your own needs. If you want to bring life to your marriage, then die to your own needs and interests and look out for the needs of your spouse above your own and you will bring new life to your marriage. Why? Because in God's economy, death brings life. It always has, it always will. In God's economy, death brings life. Jesus did it on the cross and God does it in marriage. Tim Keller's definition, my all-time favorite definition of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love this. I use it every chance I get. And his, his definition is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. What a beautiful definition of the gospel. Marriage God's way is two people giving to the other everything they have with the hope and the trust that in that action they will receive everything they need and long for. That's the hope. That's the trust. 
Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wives, submit to your husbands just as Christ did for the church. That is a far cry from a me marriage mentality. It's a marriage that's not focused on receiving but giving. It's not focused on fighting for your rights as a spouse but focused on dying to yourself for the express purpose of reflecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the gospel of Jesus and marriage, they kind of explain one another as mutual fulfillment through mutual sacrifice. Mutual fulfillment through mutual sacrifice. And it is not, and this is another one of those little secret tidbits, it's not waiting until your spouse does the same and then you do it. It's just sacrificing your needs and desires for them despite what they do. Why? Because when you look at the gospel, that's what Jesus did. Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Jesus didn't say, well, when they get their act together, I'll go down and die for them. He didn't do that. He didn't say, well, if they just get a little bit better, if they do their part, I'll do my part. While we were still rebelling against Jesus, he died for us. He gave up everything that he had. The reason, I'll just tell you, the reason marriage is so painful and wonderful at the same time, and if you've been married, you know what I'm talking about. It is unbelievably painful and unbelievably wonderful at the same time because it's a reflection of the gospel, which is painful and wonderful at the same time. Jesus went through the pain and torture of the cross to do something that none of us could do on our own, save ourselves from our sin. And he did that through giving up his life, dying in our place. But what did that do? It revealed the depth of God's love, which is incredibly wonderful. And in that unbelievably painful act, there was this incredible wonder and beauty that came out of that act. It's marriage. It's the same way. They kind of, they kind of go hand in hand. When two people reflect, and two people in marriage reflect the gospel when they make their faith um, about, uh, when, when they make their faith and reflecting the gospel like the priority in their marriage, um, you find the secret to marriage in the statistics too. This is unbelievable, and you don't hear this very often. Um, the divorce rate. For Christian couples that make their faith a priority, which means they go to church regularly, they go to a small group, they regularly study the Bible, and they pray on a consistent basis, have a relationship with God, um, the divorce rate for Christian couples that make their faith a priority is 27% lower than the national average at 23%. Why is that? Because in God's economy, death brings life. A couple committed to following Jesus is allowing Christ's character to be formed in them. They're living a life of sacrifice for other people and for their spouse. It's a life of change that then becomes orchestrated by God. And two people in marriage reflecting the gospel, that's the secret to marriage according to God. And the beginning of reflecting the gospel in your life is accepting the gospel in your life. The beginning of reflecting the gospel and being a reflection of the gospel, the beginning of that is accepting the gospel in your life. It's believing in Jesus because without a relationship with Jesus, you can't be a reflection of the gospel. But with the power of the Holy Spirit in you, which happens when you accept Jesus, you actually can begin becoming a reflection of the gospel in your marriage, in your relationships, in your friendships.